Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 340th ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week was attending yesterday's Patriots demolition of the Chargers at nearby Gillette Stadium, and it was just uh, amazing to watch. The crowd was juiced, the weather It was just about a perfect winter day, cold, 28 degrees, but yet zero wind. And as we all know, it's all about the wind. But what the Patriots did yesterday uh, was so impressive, it almost felt like the high water mark of this uh, 20-year run that they've been on. Uh, And I say that because it was, most importantly, unexpected. They were against a good opponent, Uh, The Chargers, who had as many wins as anybody in the AFC, tied with the Chiefs. And it really struck me that the Chargers finally ran out of gas. They've been crisscrossing the country. Uh, Baltimore last weekend, then flew home, then fly back across the country. Friday, I think it was, to play at Gillette. Uh, not to mention just a heavy travel year where they actually went to London. That's a 12-hour flight earlier in the year. Uh, and just a whole lot of traveling in comparison with the Patriots who have not been on a plane since uh, early to mid-December when they flew down to Pittsburgh, not a long flight, to play the Steelers. Since then, they've been sitting at home uh, to... Two opponents at home that they were able to take care of and start to feel good about themselves. That, of course, the Bills and the Jets at the end of the season. And then got the bye week. Thank you, Philadelphia Eagles, for beating the Texans. And ultimately had two weeks to prepare for the Los Angeles Chargers. And, oh, by the way, it was great to hear the uh, Beat L.A. cheer started way back in the day in the 80s at the Boston Garden uh, when the 76ers were beating the Celtics in a game seven and headed to play the Lakers and uh, beat LA chant was born resurrected a little bit during the uh, during the World Series last year against the Dodgers and very very prevalent 
last year. It was or last yesterday, excuse me, at Gillette Stadium. So it was awesome. But what was really awesome was the performance of the Patriots. Uh, they had a power running game. Sony Michelle and James White both had record days. Uh, Julian Edelman was absolutely back to his old self for what really was like the first time this year. Tom Brady's go-to guy. And uh, after dropping his first pass of the day, uh, that was the last thing he dropped because he just looked like himself from two years ago, pre-ACL. And he was just huge. But what was really huge was the defense. They were just all over the field. They never let Philip Rivers uh, do anything. Uh, don't know if I've ever seen any quarterback, let alone Philip Rivers, throw so many balls into the dirt. Uh, at least three, probably more. And again, just record-setting across the board. They scored, Patriots scored the first four times they had the ball. That's literally unheard of. And then uh, the game was over by halftime as a result of the fumbled punt that the Patriots recovered on the sideline. Thereby, the uh, at this time, the score was 28-7. Patriots, Chargers get the ball with a few minutes to go in the first half. Perhaps they score. They're receiving the second half kickoff. Uh, perhaps they score, and all of a sudden, we're, uh, we have a competitive game. Instead, it went the other way. Uh, Patriots get the fumble. Uh, they score. It's 35-7 at halftime. The game is absolutely over at that point. Uh, and the Patriots sent a message right off the bat what they were planning to do, which was, again, power football by going uh, against uh, a preference that Belichick practically invented, which was to always defer if you win the opening if you win the coin toss and take the kickoff to begin the game and take the second half kickoff instead, he surprised everybody at the stadium by including his own team by choosing to take the ball where they promptly ran right down the field to score and go up seven, nothing right after that. When the Patriots only breakdown of the day, Keenan Allen was wide open in the corner of the end zone and uh, scored quite easily, 7-7, and that was uh, that was the end of the Chargers. Um, so, again, just so impressive. There's, uh, you know, just you just can't say enough. I mean, I, I guess what you have to say is uh, never doubt Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in the playoffs at home, especially when they have a bye week, which it seems like they do just about every year. They are now going to their incredible eighth straight AFC championship game. Let that one sink in for a second. It just boggles the mind. So it was just such a fun and festive day at Gillette Stadium. Again, as good a winter day as you could ever have. The crowd was really, really terrific into it. And... Uh, and the Chargers were truly feared uh, coming into this game right here in New England. But the Patriots uh, left no doubts and really played uh, not only the game of the year, uh, but, you know, one of the top 
postseason games they've played in this 20-year dynasty that they've put together, which is amazing in and of itself. And Tom Brady, post-game to CBS, said, quote, everyone thinks we suck and can't win any games, so we'll see. Should be fun, referring to the AFC Championship game at 6.40 p.m. Eastern time this Sunday at Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs. Should be great theater. And uh, and after what we saw yesterday, uh, we know the Patriots' record on the road both this year as well as in AFC uh, Championship games is hardly stellar. But after what we saw yesterday... Uh, no one can count these Patriots out. Uh, and to have it happen on the heels of this year, not only this season, but just the entire year of like negativity, shall we say, that seems to have surrounded this team throughout 2018. And for them to uh, come out and do what they did yesterday was just beyond impressive. And that leads into my bizarre story of the week, which is just what I'll call the out of sight, out of mind mentality. It happens every year and it really, really happened big time this year where wild card weekend comes, the one and two seeds get forgotten about and um, basically uh, the wild card winners come out uh, with a win, obviously, and are praised all week long. Again, out of sight, out of mind. The one and two seeds are sort of forgotten, and by the time you get to game time, uh, you'd think the wild card uh, winners were a dynasty in and of themselves. And then, as happened this weekend and many years previous, uh, the one and two seeds come out and show who they really are and why they're the one and two seeds. Uh, all four winning at home, Patriots Chiefs and Saints Rams setting up a, the championship weekend. So it's just amazing how year in and year out this seems to happen. And all the one and two seeds are kind of uh, overlooked. Uh, and it's all about the wild card come teams coming off a of victory but yet rarely does it seem to turn out that way. You get your occasional runs, but certainly not this year. That's for sure. And my low light of the week are the Indianapolis Colts seemingly missing opportunity after opportunity in Saturday's game against the Chiefs. It was kicked off the weekend, uh, the 4.30 Eastern game. And there was just so many opportunities for them to get back in that game and given the Chiefs history at home and playoff games hadn't won since the early 90s it just seemed uh, like they had a real genuine chance because the had they capitalized on a couple of the obvious opportunities they did get one blocked a punt recovered it in the end zone but so many other opportunities just slipped by and had they done that, who knows how the Chiefs would have reacted, given that history. And then, of course, uh, that game was followed by the Rams coming back to being the Rams that they've been most of the year, certainly in the earlier part of the season. Uh, 
always glamorous to watch a game out there, especially a playoff game on a Saturday night with the likes of LeBron James uh, and celebrities, uh, Josh Dumal, people like that, uh, from both the sports world, Eric Dickerson, uh, filling up the iconic L.A. Coliseum. It's just a great show on a Saturday night, and that place was banged out with Cowboy fans as well, given that the Cowboys have trained for years up the road from L.A. and Oxnard, California. And then late yesterday afternoon, uh, the Saints started. They were the only team to start slow of the one and two seeds. Uh, Really had to shake some rust off, but they finally got it going and overtook the Eagles. And, of course, it all came down to Alshon Jeffrey's drop intercepted by Marcus Lattimore, and that's it. So the Saints are hosting the Rams, and the Chiefs are hosting the Patriots. Should be a great Sunday. Uh, I said this past weekend is the best weekend on the sports calendar, and uh, I think this Sunday may be the best day on the sports calendar, back-to-back conference championship games. And in the world of golf, Matt Kuchar had a great tournament. Especially a great round yesterday and took uh, the Sony Championship out there in Hawaii. And as I talked about last week, the PGA show is coming up next week in Orlando. Short 40,000 attendees. Uh, the number one event in the industry of golf, and I do mean industry. Uh, it'll be my third year in a row covering it, so really looking forward to that. So now let's take our break. Next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. 
This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, John. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, thank you, as always, for joining the show. And it's been a week now since uh, the Alabama loss to Clemson. And I think it's safe to say it was something... Many of us never thought we would see Alabama losing by that large of an amount. You were there. You were kind enough to call in last Monday with all the pregame information that our listeners loved. Uh, you were at the game, so I have to ask you, what was it like to be there in person? Yeah, John, there was quite a few Clemson fans. I think it was probably 60 to 40 Clemson, but you know it was going to be wow. a big ball game because you had Two outstanding quarterbacks and top-notch offenses. Fairly good defenses, I thought, uh, going into the game, but it turned out to be that Clemson could score against Alabama at any time, and Alabama couldn't return the favor. Uh, but Clemson's defense, they figured out how to stop Alabama near the goal line. It was, it was a strange game, John, in the fact that Alabama moved the football and on the ground, they had some success, too. It probably should have stayed with that a little bit more. But when they got near the goal line, I think it was three times at least, they just seemed to – the play calling was inept. And then they tried to, the fake field goal on a fourth down with the third-string quarterback, and he's not a very good runner. And the lead blocker was the kicker of all people. Uh, I just didn't understand that that particular call. If you're going to go for it on fourth down, just line up with Tua and see what happens. But, you know, John, it seems to me when I'm watching these, this is the fourth time that Alabama and Clemson have met and yep. uh, recently. And what I can gather is that when Clemson has a quarterback that is an accurate passer, they put up quite a few points against Alabama's defense. It was 40 the first time. 35 the second last year with Kelly Bryant, who's more, much like Jalen Hurts, a dual-threat quarterback, not as right. effective throwing the football. They scored six points. John, think about that. Six points last year, 44 this year. Of course, uh, six of those points were an interception return of Tua's, one of his early passes. 
So, the, so the, that means the defense, you know, gave up 37 points. And, uh, you know, his second pass when he threw it, uh, his, his second interception, I mean, when he threw it was into triple coverage. And I think that they rushed him slightly, which they did quite a bit of the night, and he didn't have a chance to check down to the, the receiver that was below Jerry Judy, and he threw it under an interception, and then they returned it, I think, 40 yards. But you still have a chance to play defense if they return it to the 50, so I'm not giving the, I'm not giving any credence to the fact that that um, Tua's had two interceptions and that led to both of the touchdowns because the other one was purely a pick six, but but the second one they had to drive the field 50 yards. So I'm not that's not a given in football or any any circumstance. But but Alabama's the the coaching staff from Clemson they've seemed to understand how to attack this Alabama defense if they have a quarterback that can throw the football. And I think that has to be on the mind of Nick Saban at this point. They can't seem to stop Clemson's offense when they have a passer. And, of course, you saw the receiver from Alabama, Justin Ross. I mean, he was uh, he's a huge uh, wide receiver, John, when I saw him in person on media day. And the other one's just as big. And he has excellent hands, as we saw some one-handed catches Last oh, yeah. Monday night, and uh, so the uh, the offensive line of Clemson and the secondary were better than advertised against Alabama. No doubt about it. Yes, uh, I mean it, it was. Go ahead. No, as I say, they were able to to keep their quarterback nice and clean. I told somebody, and I repeated this several times since, that he could pose for a statue or a portrait that night. Take your pick. Right. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yes, that was just, I mean, you mentioned Ross, the receiver for Clemson, the freshman, grew up in Alabama, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I mean, you talk coming out party. Uh, that was an unbelievable coming out party, uh, bursting onto the scene, literally. But also, you know, we all knew about Trevor Lawrence, but he also had his own coming out party, shall we say, of sorts, uh, with just a spectacular game. So it was just uh, amazing to watch. Uh, you know, never thought I would see it ever. And uh, so, yeah, it was um, just a shocker by by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I heard I've heard a lot. This week, at least in, in the aftermath, and I'm sure you heard a lot more down your way in Alabama where you live, uh, about the brain drain finally catching up to Alabama. Um, by that, I mean all the you know coaches who have moved on to other jobs and bringing in new people every year, granted high-profile people, but do you think that has any credence? Well, John, when you the beginning of the season, Alabama, the question mark was definitely the kicking game. We saw that turned right. out right. Exa- that was that was exactly not good. Right. Uh, you know, it was sporadic exactly right. at, at best throughout the season. And we know the secondary was young and, and inexperienced, most of them. So in that game, they didn't look like they knew their assignments. There were people wide open, bad angles by the safeties, cornerbacks not covering wide receivers. Uh, they didn't have a chance. So. I don't know if it was a brain drain, but what I will say is that Clemson has the continuity on their staff. And like I say, they've very good out of Alabama a long time ago how to attack them, and they've gotten better defensively. So to their, that's to their credit. Now, Alabama, I mean, John, all of a sudden you're beating people by 22 points or more during the season, 
and then you forget how to coach on uh, last Monday night. I, I don't, I don't buy that. That, and uh, I agree with that. Scenario. No brain drain. No brain drain for four months, so it doesn't show up. Uh, you know, one night in January. Yeah. That's for sure. So I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. A bad game. Mike Loxley had a bad game calling the plays. Absolutely. I mean, even I noticed, and I, I'm, I'm one to not even question plays normally, but it seems like when they got near the goal line, they were calling things I hadn't seen all season. So yeah, bad game. Yes, defensively, Tosh Lupoid, defensive coordinator, they, they were lost. Absolutely. And one thing you're looking at that game, John, and this is the defensive backfield. And Nick Saban, he he proclaimed himself as the highest uh, graduate assistant, paid graduate assistant. So the, he's got to be very disappointed in how they performed, and they and they lost some players too in that secondary. Going to be going pro, and they lost uh, some people on offense as well. I think it's uh, lost a linebacker. So it's like I think it's up to maybe eight or nine players that they're going to lose to the draft early. Right. I agree. And, uh, yeah. Um, well, that, you know, back to that kick, uh, uh, which was the fake field goal. I mean, it was so weird watching it cause it felt like it was in slow motion. Like you could see it unfolding, but yet we're in disbelief <laughs> watching it unfold because <laughs> right. it was yeah. just so obviously going to be stopped. Uh, kind of reminded me of the Steelers, uh, fake attempt against the Saints a couple weeks ago that basically cost them the playoffs. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was uh, just strange all around. And then, you know, Alabama driving certainly twice, if not three times, into the red zone fairly easily to start off the second half. I mean, they got down into, into the red zone without a whole lot of trouble, uh, and they just couldn't punch it in. Or even a point, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right. Uh, to be shut out in the second half for a team averaging nearly 50 points, that's quite a feat, John. So there was a little bit of Clemson, uh, you know, well, a lot of Clemson, of course, but a little right. bit on Alabama's part as well in their play calling. I mean, some of the things that they tried, you know, on a fourth down, the Tua to the left side trying to outrun everybody, and he's supposed to have an injured leg. I, I didn't quite understand. And I thought, John. Yes, I know that play, too. I th- I, yeah, you don't remember that play. I thought that oh, yeah. this would be Najee Harris's night coming back to the Bay Area, and he was having a good game. Sometime he'd get down near the goal line, they'd take him out of the, take him out and substitute for him. I just didn't understand. Right, good point. Good homecoming. That's right. I knew he was from uh, the Bay Area, and uh, yeah. So I have to ask AP, what's the what's what's the mood in the state of Alabama in the aftermath? Uh, you know, I'm sure it's taken a few days to just kind of like shake it all off. Uh, but how's everybody feeling about now? Yeah, I think people are going to be licking their wounds for quite a while and they're kind of perplexed and about this whole uh, outcome because it's one thing to lose the game. We all thought it would be tight be- because the oh, teams yeah. are constructed uh, similarly with personnel. They both had outstanding quarterbacks, uh, excellent receivers, uh, good running backs. Uh, Alabama had the edge of the tight end position. Uh, the kicking game, we knew that uh, Clemson probably have the edge. Uh, but similar type teams, and then Alabama loses by four touchdowns. And like I said, it, it, it did not remind me of the Alabama game when they played against Notre Dame and beat them by four touchdowns because Alabama moved the football. You know, they threw right. almost 300 yards, had 100 and, I don't know, was 50 yards rushing. Uh, but they just could not seem to call the right plays near the goal line 
And to come away with zero points in the second half. With three trips to the red zone, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, three trips to the red zone, and then one was uh, near the red zone, I think. So that was uh, disappointing, surprising, and I'm sure Nick Saban's going to be thinking about that game for quite a while. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, Well, you know, there's two teams in the country that aren't intimidated when they, you know, walk onto the field against Alabama, and it's obviously Clemson and Georgia. They're, in my mind, the only two. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just showed up again. Clemson has played them tough now four times in a row in the college football playoff, Final Four. And, uh, you know, in the big scheme of things, it's good for college football, you know, whether or not having those two teams in there every year is good for college football is debatable, but what is good is that when you get down to the game, you know, uh, you know, you just have two heavyweights going at it. It went Clemson's way this, this year, but I'm sure there's already people and it certainly crossed my mind looking ahead to next year because they're clearly a cut above the rest of college football, perhaps Georgia notwithstanding, um, you know, that, there's every reason to expect they'll they'll meet again next year in the college football playoff, if not the national championship itself. And uh, and yeah, uh, I, let's just say if Alabama gets another shot at them, I don't think we'll be looking at a four touchdown loss, to say the least. Uh, a lot of pride, a lot of history. Obviously, the most history ever. Um, but yeah, they're just uh, they're a cut above and. Uh, you, you know, it, it's football excellence. Didn't quite turn out to have any drama, per se. Um, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, shall we say? But uh, yes. But nonetheless, you know, it's the best college football has to offer. That's for sure. Yeah, Alabama. When I found out uh, as the game progressed, was I thought Alabama might be able to move the football, but they could not stop Clemson. So I think I thought right. they were in trouble. Yeah, well, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's the new, you know, perhaps the new face of college football, you know, with the hair, being a freshman, just all of it, number one high school player last year, number one recruit, Um, you know, he just was incredible, Um, as was Tua in so many ways, it was just a matter of they couldn't punch it in from the red zone. That's really, really, really what it came down to. It's not like they weren't moving the ball. You know, I, I think it sets up a potentially great, great rivalry between those two going forward. Uh, but AP, hard to believe. We're quickly at the end of our first segment. Still have a few things to get to uh, in the aftermath of the game, uh, specifically Jalen Hurts. But why don't we do that on the other side? Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. 
It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., we were talking, uh, of course, about the college football national championship game that you covered last week between Clemson and Alabama. But in the aftermath of the season, the big news uh, is Jalen Hurts has basically set himself up, if not even made it completely official, that he will be transferring from Alabama. Is that that accurate? That's correct. He entered that portal that they have for the players that want to transfer, and he visited Maryland because Mike Loxley, the offensive coordinator at Alabama, is a new head coach. So that was one of his visits. And then, oh, wow. I uh, heard Oklahoma. Yeah, then Oklahoma, they need a quarterback, so that's a potential landing spot. And then Miami, and the reason he visited Miami, John, is because Danny Enos, who was projected to be the new offensive coordinator at Alabama, he was hired by uh, defensive-minded uh, head coach, new head coach, Manny Diaz, to be the offensive coordinator at Miami. So he's looking at Miami as well. Wow. Well, those are three worthy choices. Uh, you know, Maryland hasn't had a whole lot of good news in the past number of months, as we all know. 
And uh, so I'm sure they would love getting a player of his caliber. And uh, Oklahoma, of course, and uh, my the U, two excellent choices. I could see Jalen Hurts at any one of those three programs, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason that Dan Enos went to the University of Miami is because he probably have more autonomy as the offensive coordinator, where if you're the coordinator at Alabama on offense, you're bringing some of your concepts, but not the philosophy remains the same with the Nick Saban offense. So I think maybe that's the reason, because, you know, he played for at Michigan State for uh, Nick Saban, so he knows him quite well. But I think going to Miami and having that chance to really run an offense was the reason he selected the Hurricanes. Yeah, and where did Dan Enos actually come from? Where, where's his most recent job? Where's he leaving to go to the yeah, U? You know, he was at Arkansas, John. He did a good job with the quarterbacks over there, the two brothers. And then he right. was at Michigan for about five minutes, and then Nick Saban convinced him to come down to Alabama. So he's been at Alabama this past year? This past year, right, the one year. So he went from being a quarterback coach at Alabama to the offensive coordinator at Miami, a Power 5 school. And also, there was some other movement on the staff with Josh Gaddis. Uh, John, maybe you're familiar with him. He was at Penn State. Yes, uh, I've heard Well-respected recruiter. And then he was a wide receiver coach at Alabama. Well, he was uh, supposed to follow Mike Lockley to Maryland, maybe be the OC, and he ends up at Michigan as the offensive coordinator for Jim Harbaugh, trying to get that program into this century as far as the passing game. <laughs> right. And speaking of Michigan, yeah, I saw where there was a couple of their guys, coaches, assistant coaches, went to Ohio State. I honestly don't know know if I ever remember that happening before, ever. I going you're right. One I mean, I have, to the I'm other. sure it happened, but I yeah, I don't remember myself, John. So that was interesting. And, quite, quite. You know, he had some shakeup in his staff. I mean, especially defensively, when they gave up what the sixty with the sixty three points. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think well, at least one of the coaches that went down there was a defensive coach. Yeah, when you have a score like that, there's going to be a lot of fallout or, and an absolute fall guy somewhere along the line. Uh, so that may have had something to do with it. But, uh, yeah, well, AP, I got to tell you, it's hard to believe the college football season's over. Uh, you know, it just uh, seems so strange. Uh, like it just ends so abruptly as, as all sports do, but, uh, this one given, you know, the semifinals, uh, being blowouts, there is no other way to say it. And, uh, and then the way the championship championship game turned out, you know, know, there was, put it this way, there there was no drama, there's no other way to say it. No, there was no drama in the final three games, the college football playoffs. So, uh, a little disappointing there, and uh, yes, you know, just interesting to watch, uh, to say the least. But again, Clemson, you know, and Alabama, two titans, and every reason to believe they'll be one and two again next year. And uh, I, I think, again, my take home from it all is that uh, Tua and Trevor Lawrence are going to be on a collision course, and they're going to see each other again next January, somewhere along the line. That, that could happen, John. That could happen. And Alabama will have uh, at least four new coaches. Brent Key, the offensive line coach, went to his alma mater, Georgia Tech, to be the run game coordinator, offensive line coach, and I think assistant head coach. So the 
the talk around town right now is that Steve Sarkeesian might be back that. as the offensive coordinator at Alabama. You know, he's with the Atlanta Falcons. He was fired from that position. He had a lot of outstanding offensive talent, but they couldn't score points, so that was baffling. And he was the one-game coordinator for Alabama against uh, uh, Clemson, and he couldn't be- beat them. So, But he might be back, and the reason is because he has a tight relationship with Tua Tunga Bailoa, yeah, because Tua, Tua was going to be the quarterback at USC before he uh, ended up at Alabama. Really? Okay, that's something I don't remember hearing before. Uh, so he's available. He's out of a job as we speak. Sarkeesian. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I could see it. You, you know, they won the national championship with him. Is that right? Two years ago? Um, well, no, or, they, he, he didn't succeed. Uh, he was that one-game coordinator, and they lost the game to uh, Clemson. That was the year when they were on the – Alabama's defense was on the field for, I think, 99 plays. Right. right. Alabama, I think, in the second half or the whole game was something like 1-13 on third downs. It was a disaster, really. Okay. But okay. It was Jay, you know Jalen was the quarterback, and then Bo Scarborough was injured during the game. But they still had some running backs, but they kind of gave up on that and tried to throw it. And Jalen wasn't having a good game throwing the football. And but even though he scored the touchdown to put him ahead, uh, it still left a couple minutes on the clock. And Deshaun Watson drove the field for 68 yards against the number one defense in the country for the last second touchdown pass to Hunter Renfro, the Alabama killer. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, that was the game down in Tampa Bay, of course. So, uh, anyway, Sharkeesian has held the position uh, at Alabama. So, that'll be interesting to see. But I had heard that name, too. So, it's already getting some national attention. I'm sure it's a big deal down there in Alabama. And, uh, yeah, again, it's just uh, hard to believe the season's over. Any, were there any interesting bowl games that caught your attention uh i found the ucf lsu game fascinating to watch quite frankly Uh, that game was angry (laughs) that that was like a good solid game and i I think (laughs) even though their winning streak got ended at 22 games if i'm not mistaken for ucf clearly once and for all even in in even in a loss they showed they can compete because you know they beat auburn and then follow it up with another, uh, you know, undefeated season, and then you know, give LSU basically all they can handle. It went to the end, so uh, there can be no doubt that UCF is, uh, you know, capable of playing with the big boys. Yeah, I think so. Even though LSU's defense was depleted, uh, right, it still gives you an indication that they can compete. And I think right. one of the I mean, I don't know the circumstances, John, but I think it was the University of Florida offered them a two-for-one series, I and I don't that. know why yeah. they didn't accept it. It was a Florida, I think. It was a Florida, I think. Absolutely, they didn't Gators. accept. I don't know. No I don't understand. It. Yeah, I don't. I don't, yeah, get it. I don't understand yeah. that thinking. Right. No, you you have to. Uh, you know, these teams on the rise. I think Boise State's oh. a good, you know, good, good comparison. Where you know, you have to do whatever it takes. You know, you have to travel, you have to, uh, you know, take what's out there to build your brand name, period. And no matter how tough to swallow it might be, it might not seem fair, but uh, that's the only way you can do it. You just have to do it. Many teams have done it over the years, basketball and football, college. 
and UCF needs to do that. So I don't know exactly all the details uh, as to why they're not going to do it, you know, do it with the Gators, but they're not, but they need, but they should. Yeah. I mean, John, it would have been perfect. It's in state. All their fans can get to the game somehow. Oh, it's an easy drive. It's nothing. It's two hours. If that, if that, no, I mean, <laughs> from where I, I, I thought game, it was so perfect. Nothing. Yeah. Me too. No, it wasn't like they were asked to, to travel to Texas twice or, or some other place. I mean, it was, it was, and, and you can gain so much credibility in the state where you're yeah. competing for talent. I, I mean, if you could have dreamed of a matchup, it couldn't have been any better. No, that's the best one, period. I mean, the Gators are the Gators. It's the Swamp. It's the SEC. It's everything they're looking for, and it's right up the road yeah. from their campus. I don't get it yeah. for one second, AP. I, I couldn't have been more surprised because, you know, they that's exactly what they have to do to build their brand even further because, you know, they're in a pretty good spot right now, and they have a chance to take yeah. a bit of a quantum leap going up to Gainesville, yeah, yeah. so I don't get it. it I feel like no. they've made a lot of really good decisions over the past couple of years yeah. in building their brand, yeah. but this is not a good one, yeah. but I don't know the exact no. nuances, no, but you I'm don't sure know there are a lot. No, yeah, but from outside observation, it would seem this is exactly what they were seeking, a game against the, the one of the flagship schools, you know, the flagship school in the state, one of them, Exactly, Florida. It would be over, over, over uh, Miami and Florida State. Let's say, I and totally agree with that. And it's against the SEC, and it's against the SEC. Right. It's it's everything you could dream of. Uh, the perfect, literally the perfect opponent. You know, and I just, again, whatever their reasoning is, again, uh, I'm sure it runs deep down there in Florida. AP, uh, as far as history and who who knows. But uh, ho- hopefully somehow, some way, I don't know if it's officially dead, but hopefully it can somehow get re- resurrected or some people reconsider it or whatever. But AP, we're at the end of our second segment together. We still have a few more things to get to, and we'll do that on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. 
Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is obviously the AFC and NFC championship games this coming Sunday. Get started in the NFC with Rams at Saints at 3 p.m. Eastern time, followed by Patriots at Chiefs at 6.40 p.m. Eastern Time, one of the great days in sports every year, so can't wait for that. And AP, we've talked a whole lot of football, as we always do, but you also uh, managed to squeeze some basketball into your uh, into your travels, right? Yeah, I did, John. I had a chance to cover the Lakers and Cleveland Cavaliers last night at Staples, Staples Arena and Staples Center, so I wanted to check out the rookie point guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers who played at Alabama, Colin Sexton, and he was taken in the first round. He came out after the freshman season. Uh, the Lakers were without LeBron James, and the Cavaliers had the worst, have the worst record in basketball, 8-35 and 35 after 43 games, and Ouch. they came up last night and they beat the Lakers for their ninth victory. My, my. Uh, that had to be satisfying. Even though LeBron didn't play, it's still LeBron's team, and we all know where LeBron came to the Lakers from. <laughs> and, uh, right, right, so, right. Yeah, well, the Forum's a great place. I've had the pleasure to be there myself. And uh, I, I think at minimum, I assume Laker basketball is back, correct? Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll be fine when LeBron James returns. They're 23-21 and 21 right now. So they're going to have a chance to make the playoffs. And, you know, that team has potential to be pretty good, actually. Oh, no doubt about it. Yes. Uh, typical LeBron team. Uh, you know, he'll have them rounded into form as much as they can be come playoff time. But kind of weird to see LeBron injured, huh, AP? I mean, it's just, frankly, nothing we've hardly ever seen before. Once or twice, maybe. 
But he's now missed, if I'm not mistaken, four or five games around that. Yeah, he's got a couple more, I think, uh, right, before he right. comes back. I, I I did see him walking around after the game last night. I was was oh, uh, going between the between the locker rooms, and I, he came walking by. He sure did. He's an imposing figure. I've I've actually uh, seen him a few times myself, and been in the locker room and press conferences and. Uh, yeah, he, he is, uh, <laughs> he gets your attention. No yeah. doubt about that, right? Yeah. When you see him in person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Big time. Yeah, he's, he's quite, quite an athlete. Yes, he is. Uh, and he was at the Laker, or excuse me, at the Rams game on Saturday night. Uh, yeah. What was it like? Were you in Southern California for the weekend and that you were, you were in the area when, uh, the Rams hosted the Cowboys Saturday night. Yes, I was. Yeah, I, I went to watch it at a, at a sports bar, and okay. uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun. So the Rams uh, prevailed, and I was actually John at the New Orleans Los Angeles Rams game in November to play in New Orleans, and that was a forty-five thirty-five victory for the Saints. So that should be quite a ball game on on Sunday. Absolutely, AP. Well, that's interesting because, uh, uh, well, number one, you're going to have a whole lot, a whole lot of opportunity to revisit it this week and re-see it because it's going to be nonstop uh, in the build-up for the game. And I was at the Chiefs-Patriots game in October here at Gillette Stadium, finished <laughs> up forty-three to forty. So I think I'd say you and I have it covered pretty well, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we sure do. It's amazing wow. those two games, big big time offenses getting together, yeah. and the last one holding the football probably win the game. I guess. Yeah, we are at the two previews, and uh, it was just so much fun to see the Chiefs. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, just just to witness him in person is better than what you see on TV, as you would expect, as it is with all athletes, including LeBron. Uh, for example, it's, uh, you know, just to see that arm, uh, I won't soon forget it. And he put on a show that night, uh, slow start, but he came around. I think he threw four touchdown passes. Hard to believe he finished with 50 in his first full season as a starter. Cause I can't help but think, of course, Tom Brady getting his in 2007, the undefeated regular season team, capping it yeah. off with that long pass to Randy Moss. But you know, Brady was in year six or seven in his prime when he finally did it. For Patrick Mahomes, in his first year as a starter, oh. it's incredible. <laughs> 50 touchdowns. It's an iconic figure that only Brady and Manning have reached. And for him to reach it in his first year, I mean, you know, that's a wow. That's a big-time wow. Absolutely. I mean, for a quarterback to come into this league and, and dominate like he did, it's fantastic. I mean, just he has not been seen before uh, somebody no. so early in their career. No, I mean the no look passes, the left handed throw to put the Denver game away <laughs> earlier in the year. But <laughs> what he does that I've never seen. I mean, I've seen Tom Brady and others throw quote what looks like a fastball, but what Mahomes did, and he did it Saturday against the Colts. We all remember that play. He throws a real genuine fastball that truly, genuinely looks like a baseball fastball like his father used to throw. I've never really seen anybody <laughs> do anything like that. I don't know about you, but it's different. And you know it instantly. No. It's different. Yeah, yeah. He's got a big, 
strong arm, and he's fun. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's great. He's great. I, you know, I can't wait to see. Uh, you know, to see the game on Sunday evening. Um, both games, of course. Uh, the, the NFL has to be smiling ear to ear. These are just fabulous matchups of the four best offenses in the league this year. And, but no, Mahomes again. This guy's special, and uh, you know he's he won his first playoff game. Not an easy, not a given. And now he has no, that experience I've, under his belt, and he's going up against the champs. Or, you know, not the current champs, but the dynasty. And certainly in Brady, yeah. uh, the the gold standard. So it's going to be fun to watch. Can't wait. Yeah, John, and maybe a defensive play will be the difference. Correct. You never know. You know that, that's the way these things often work out. Uh, well, AP, great talking football with you. Thank you for calling in from California, both last week and today. And uh, again, we, luckily we have nonstop sports to talk about. Hard to believe college football is over, but thanks in particular for the great job you did on the show bringing Alabama football uh, right in our, into our laps week in, week out, all year long. So it's been a great run, as always. And uh, we'll do, before you know it, AP, it'll be spring practice and all that, and recruiting and all that good stuff, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it comes upon you very quickly. And, John, thank you very much for having me on the show. And I, I look forward to the next time. As do we, AP. Thanks again. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.